thank you for all of the birthday wishes and the love today. Um, if you don't know my story, I, I should not be alive. Um, I should have uh, ended my life, and the Lord intercepted me in a very dark season as a teenager, and I'm grateful to God to be here and for what the Lord is, has done in our lives. And so I've been wrestling with the Lord, and I don't say that lightly or flippantly, about uh, what to say today and where to go. And uh, the conversation within my own heart has been, Lord, do you really want me to go there and preach that and share that? Um, maybe I'm just emotional because it's my birthday. And now I know for a fact I'm emotional and it's my birthday. So turn with me to Psalm 27. Laugh while you can. I'm sure I will cry. But I need to uh, share a few things with you this morning and um, give what I had prepared as an offering to the Lord and just lean into God's heart for us today. I have always tried to trust that the Lord would uh, stand with me as I share, that He would lead and guide my words, that um, He would use something or some part of what I shared to bless, to encourage, to strengthen, to convict, uh, and ultimately to always point everybody to Jesus. Um, I believe that the, the, the glory of God is my life's message. And the more that I do this, I don't know how many times I've preached, maybe several hundred. Um, the more that I do this, the more I realize that it's not about uh, bringing a message, it's about being the message. And so uh, the Lord has uh, developed many things in my heart and my life over the years. And um, Psalm 27 is very precious to me. I'm so grateful for the word of God. I'm so grateful for the scriptures. I watch people struggle their way through life because they don't know the word of God. And I watch people make great errors in their life because they don't know the Word of God. And I find that all of our excuses as to why we don't know God's Word are lame before the Lord. Uh, we live in an hour where biblical availability is higher than ever. And our literacy is lower than ever. Meaning that the Word of God is more accessible, more available than it has ever been for all of history. You can find it in your language, you can find it on the internet, you can find it anywhere. But our literacy, meaning our understanding, our actual knowledge and practice of it, I believe is at an all-time low. And so I'm grateful for the Word of God because the Word of God truly has been a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Word of God has taught me how to think the Word of God has taught me what to feel. The Word of God has shown me what I am supposed to do when I am afraid, when I am confused, when I am broken, when I am excited. Whatever it is, the, the Word of God has illuminated so many things to me. It's amazing how much time we spend confused pondering things that God has already spoken to us about. Now, if we live in ignorance of them, then that's on us. I believe that God has 
transitioning the body of Jesus out of being fed by other people and learning and growing that we're supposed to be fed ourselves and receiving from God ourselves. You are supposed to have a relationship with Jesus Christ for yourself where you've got oil in your lamp and you're not trying to borrow oil from other people. And where you have your own walk and your own connection with the Father that's real to you. If you do not have a daily devotion with the Lord and prayer and worship and study of God's Word, you are extremely vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. In fact, your discouragement may be self-inflicted if that's absent in your life. Psalm 27, this is a psalm of David. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, and I thank you that because you are our light, you are our salvation, because you are our fortress, because you're our ever-present help in time of need, God, I thank you that we have nothing to fear. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would vanquish fear from every heart and every mind this morning. God, would you deliver us from fear and from rationale that's full of it. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name that faith would arise in my own heart and in the hearts of my brothers and sisters this morning. Lord, we're asking that fear would go in Jesus' name. That you would put a confidence and an unwavering faith inside of us. Lord, I pray that we would leave this meeting trusting you more than we do right now because of a work of your Holy Spirit that's taken place. God, would you illuminate the Word of God to us? Would you open our hearts and our minds to the Scriptures? Would you cause us to receive what you're saying this morning? By faith in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if God is not your light and your salvation, you have a whole lot to fear. I believe that COVID came upon the world in 2020 And what we saw is that many in the church were afraid and deeply afraid. And it's not to make a political stance and divide the room. It's just to make the statement that if ever we have seen in our lifetime the spirit of fear rule the world and the spirit of death and the fear of death come upon people, did you know that when you are afraid your ability to think rationally is diminished? When you are in 
fear and you are under the spirit of fear, we don't always think clearly. In fact, the enemy of our souls lives to intimidate us and back us into a corner and cause us to make decisions about our lives and our relationships that are riddled with fear. And if you think back over the history of your life, perhaps maybe some of the greatest mistakes that you've made were when you were listening to fear and not God. I love to put my arm around people and just say these words, fear is not your father, God is. I did it to some people this morning. It's a word of wisdom that the Lord has given me and I want to put my arm around you if I could this morning and remind each of you that fear is not your father, God is. And because God is our Father, because the Lord is our light and our salvation, we really don't have anything to fear. So perhaps the presence of fear is really smoke and mirrors itself. And it's the enemy trying to talk us out of doing the will of God. If we had listened to fear, this church would not exist. If I had listened to fear, I would have never gotten married. If I had listened to fear, I would have never had children. Did you know that there is an abundance of fear in the realm of parenting and raising children? And people will sell you things based upon your level of fear. So that you can live in fear and you can think it's normal. It's not normal to be a fearful parent. It's not normal to be a fearful spouse. God wants normal in His kingdom to be that He has driven out and continues to drive out the spirit of fear that would want to cripple us and intimidate us. Fear will put a no in your heart when God is wanting to put a yes. So when I think of the very famous passage in 1 John that says that perfect love casts out fear... What I hear in my own heart is that fear is a no, but the love of God is a yes. So when we know that we are loved, when we know that we are secure, see, I actually believe that nothing can happen to me in my life unless it passes through the Father's hand or comes directly from Him. We have such a poor theology when it comes to suffering, when it comes to difficulty, when it comes to trial. I don't know how many young, charismatic, spirit-filled believers I've met that basically think if it's bad, it's the devil, and if it's good, it's God. I hope some of you, your your mind is beginning to rattle because we need to dismantle This thing, because if that's what you believe at your core, when you go through difficulty, when you experience loss, when disappointment begins to rear its head, you will end up blaming God for the difficulties that you experience. And here's one of the devil's favorite games. He loves to come to you in a moment of disappointment and pain, and he wants to get you to go after the character and nature of God and contempt God and blame God. For your circumstances. And what he does is he takes your disappointment and he wants you to trash God in the midst of your disappointment and your pain. One of the buoys of my life has been the all out war to never do that. Because I'm not free to contempt God. 
I don't have the liberty. I've not been given the right to go after God. I find that when my heart is full of anger, when my heart is full of misunderstanding, when there's confusion, I begin to go to the Lord in humility and say, Father, what is it that I'm not understanding? And what is it that you're trying to teach me so that I can learn the lessons that you are instructing me in? Because I've learned that the way forward is lower. And when Jesus said, I am the door sometimes the door is about a foot off the ground and you're going to have to crawl your way through the door into the kingdom of God see the apostles of old in the book of Acts they went around and you know what they told people by many trials and tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God That was their message. Hey, we want to remind you, by many trials and tribulations, you're going to enter the kingdom of God. And I fear that we have preached the gospel to people that says by many blessings and many light and airy times, you're going to enter the kingdom of God. But it's in the midst of suffering and difficulty and pain and loss and divorce and miscarriage and surgery and sickness and you name it, that you find out what you really believe about God. Do you believe that God is good? Could something happen to you in your life that would put God on trial? That would cause you to say, you know what, I'm rethinking who God is. Because the enemy wants to tell you who God is through the filter of your pain. But God is our only friend. He's our true friend. He's our light and our salvation. And He wants us to learn to lean and depend on Him. What does it mean to trust the Lord? We're commanded through Scripture some 300 times, I think. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord. What does it look like to trust God? I'm here to tell you that what trusting God looks like for you may be different than what trusting God looks like for me. Now, there are certainly some similarities, but you've got to find out for yourself what it means for you to trust Jesus with everything you have and everything you are. I find that it's scary how many people are one disappointment away from walking out on God like he's a girlfriend who didn't give them what they want. Our faith is not to be that easily shaken how in the world did God appear to Paul Jesus Christ appear to Paul and say you are a chosen instrument of mine to suffer for my name's sake how would you like that to be your commissioning we want to be stood up. We want to be recognized. We want, I want somebody to recognize the call of God on my life. And here's God recognizing His call upon Paul, sending Ananias and saying, You're a chosen instrument of mine to suffer for my name's sake. What if it was how we suffered that was meant to be our loudest message to a world that has no idea what to do when pain comes? I am convinced that so many people drink alcohol and drink it regularly because they are numbing their pain. 
They are bored. They are broken. And rather than dealing with the issues that are going on, do you know how easy it would be through the loss, through some of the things that you just heard, to say, man, I just really need to kick my feet up and have a drink. I'm here to tell you that that has always been a snare that has been laid in front of me. Why? Because alcoholism runs in my family. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I could turn into an alcoholic tonight. And if you've ever had Chick-fil-A with me and you've seen me drink seven sweet teas and a lunch, it probably makes sense to you. (laughs) I wish I was joking. But we depend on substance and we depend on feeling and we depend on people. Why? Because our heart is wandering. I don't really know how you pray, but can I tell you that I pray often for the part of me that wants to stray? I don't know how aware you are of the condition of your own soul, but if you've really taken inventory, you know that there's a part of you or maybe all of you that is constantly falling off the wagon and wanting to slide into apathy and complacency and indifference and numbness and all of these things. See, the devil sets the world up like a table and says, just come and have a drink. Just come and eat of this. Just come and enjoy a little bit of this. And what it does is it zaps our spiritual senses and it numbs us. And then when we're in corporate worship, rather than feeling the intense presence of God, all we feel is the presence of shame heavy upon us because we're condemned in our own heart because we know we've been partaking of and doing things that we were never made for. So the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What if everything we fear reveals what we don't trust God for? See, I find that fear often indicates to me a lack of trust. So you, God, God tells you to give a, a, a certain amount of money away. And if what you're met with is fear rather than obedience... You've located an area of your life that doesn't fully trust God. Many of you have heard me say this, but before we could give away uh, $10,000, we had to give away a few thousand. Before we could give away a few thousand, we had to give away 1,000. Before we could give away 1,000, we had to give away 500 or 300 or 100 a multitude of times. Why? Because God wanted the journey of faith to be like building blocks where we would grow and we would learn and we would graduate and we would grow up and we would become mature in our thinking so that we know, hey, I gave away a thousand and didn't go broke. Actually, God blessed me and it gave away five thousand, didn't go broke. God blessed me and it gave away ten thousand, didn't go broke. God blessed me and it. What about giving away a hundred thousand? And God begins to train you and grow you. But if you listen to fear, fear is a no. And fear will talk you out of what God is asking you to do every single time. Fear comes to kill and steal and destroy us all. Fear wants to make you think that 
everything you set your hand to in life is going to fail. Fear will talk you out of your God-given dreams. Fear will talk you out of your God-given marriage. Fear will talk you out of your God-given inheritance. Fear is not your father. God is. Can you say amen this morning? One thing, listen to the heart of David, verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. The heart of David, to seek God always. That he had one thing that he had asked from the Lord to seek, to dwell in his house all the days of his life. Do you know that when the body of Christ assembles together, that it's a powerful time and you need to be there? I can say it to you today because you're here, but the spirit of fear will talk you out of fellowship. And the spirit of fear will lead you to make everything convenient in your life. I've told you this before. There are two groups of people in the body of Christ. Only two when it comes to fellowship. Those that fellowship out of conviction and those that fellowship out of convenience. And when you get a conviction deep down inside of you that I'm supposed to be in the house of the Lord, whose house we are, that I'm supposed to be with my brothers and sisters, that deep fellowship is a part of my inheritance, nothing will talk you out of the power of fellowship. But the spirit of fear will lead you into isolation. And guess what? You can attend and still be isolated. You can be here this morning and still be disconnected from what God is doing in this body. You know that's why we've invented the mega church. So that people could come and attend and not really be a part. I don't know how many people I've met and they said, I love being there because I could hide. Because I could sit in the back and leave when I want and live an unaccountable life. And here's the word of God saying, one thing I've asked, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Why? Because it's good for me. I need to be in the house of the Lord. I need to be around my brothers and my sisters. I need my mothers and my fathers and my aunts and my uncles and my spiritual family to keep me in the truth. Some of the difficulty that you heard Taylor mentioning. You know how I got through it? I learned to turn myself in. I learned to present myself to godly people and say, I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I'm not thinking clearly. Please pray for me, I need help. It's amazing to me that the Apostle Paul, anointed with power to raise people from the dead, if he could write to churches and say, please pray for me, what's wrong with you and I that we don't know how to ask someone to pray for us? Pride. I'm struggling with substance abuse. If you admit that, people are going to think what? Pride. Shame. Fear. Talking you out of the will of God, which is to turn yourself in. 
so that you could have a clear conscience and an open heart to God so that you don't have any secrets that you're afraid of being exposed. So that you don't have anything in darkness that you hope doesn't come into the light one day. So that you don't have any people in your life that if they entered the room, you would shut down. Y'all still here? So one thing I've asked, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord. David's desire to build the Lord a house has always been an inspiration to me. People have said, well, why would you plant a church when there's a church on every corner? And without being critical or angry, I'm here to tell you that just because Jesus is named somewhere doesn't mean His presence is actually there. Doesn't mean that real transformation is taking place. Doesn't mean that the word of God is being preached or people are being challenged or encouraged. Just because you say his name doesn't mean he's your Lord. So we planted out of a desire to build God a house and say, Lord, this thing belongs to you. We will know that you are in it if people's lives are being transformed by you. I have no faith in my preaching anymore. I used to. I'll be honest. Man, I could preach a great word. We could preach the pain off the walls and get you excited and get an emotional response from you. But I have no faith in my preaching anymore. Why? Because if God doesn't anoint it, it's a waste of words. Because if the Holy Ghost doesn't open your heart to receive God's truth, you will not be changed. And for many of us, we live in so much pride that we size people up and we decide whether we're going to listen to what they have to say before they ever open their mouth. It's called contempting the messenger so that we don't have to hear the message. Uh, what, are, what are your qualifications? A, a lot of failure? An immense amount of heartache. A a multitude of disappointment that has tried to stand over me and crush me intensely for the last 15 years. It's hard to talk about this stuff. Why? Because I hate being a victim. And I refuse to paint myself as someone that's a victim. Why? Because when you go to being a victim of your circumstances, you are already losing. When you allow the enemy to paint you as a victim, I'm not saying you can't acknowledge your difficulty or your trauma, but I'm here to tell you that the minute that you become a victim of the difficulty that you're enduring, the enemy has you right about where he wants you, and he's going to give you a pass over personal responsibility in your life. This is very difficult for people to swallow, but you are responsible for how you respond to your trauma. Your trauma is not your fault. Whatever happened to you, whatever difficulty you endured, please hear my heart, I'm so sorry that you went through that. But you are responsible for how you respond to your rejection, to your pain, to your abandonment, to your betrayal. I see David writing and he's saying, Oh Lord, the the enemy is, is surrounding me. There's a whole host of people that are trying to take my life. And yet his psalms and his songs and his words to God are full of praise and full of thanksgiving. It was actually Job that said, Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. 
What comes out of you in the difficulties of life? You know, when I find that I have nothing to give, I just bet on Jesus. I just fall on Him. I just say, Lord, whether it's because of me or in spite of me, would you be the thing that people associate with my life? Jesus. That when people think of me, they actually think of you. Because when I got cut, your word bled out of me. Because when I got backed into a corner, your presence was with me. Because when I was down and out, the greatness of who you are was seen because of my own lack and my own fallen heart. For the day of trouble, in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me. And answer me when you said, seek my face. My heart said to you. Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. I could tell you very real stories of how God has filled in all the gaps in my life. How God has been a mother to me when I did not have one. How God has been a father to me when I did not have one. How God has been a friend to me when I did not have one. How Jesus has been a brother to me when I did not have one. See, all the gaps and all the valleys in our lives, God comes to meet us in those places. And He comes to fill and to meet those very real needs. But if you fill the heart's longing with the stuff of this world, you will never get deeply connected to God. You will never experience the sacred and preciousness of His presence in the midst of pain if you numb yourself. Again, there are only two groups of people in the world. Those who have allowed their pain to be a bridge to God and those who have allowed their pain to be a barrier to God. I was just talking with someone recently who was deeply convinced that when they walked away from God, their life got better. Said, I tried. I gave it my all. I hung in there. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And when I finally walked away and gave up, things got better. Now what you were experiencing was the warfare over what it takes to really walk with God. What you were experiencing was the enemy trying to destroy you and trying to bring you to the place where you are now so that you could be devoid of the Spirit and apart from God. So that you could turn your back on Him. Brothers and sisters, I've got good news for you. If you turn your back on Jesus, He won't turn His back on you. I'm living proof. 
If you go to contempt God and get angry with God and tell God everything you think is wrong with life and your life, He'll stand there and He'll smile and He'll wait until you're done and He'll love you through it all. I sense by the Spirit of God that there are people here today that you need God to be angry with you. You need God to be angry with you to motivate you to change. And God wants the motive for your change and your transformation to be His unfailing love and kindness. Because it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I know a father that's not looking to put us out. It says a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. So when the flame begins to flicker and your love for God becomes just a gentle ember, the Spirit of God comes to blow and to breathe life upon the embers of your heart to bring it back into a flame. That's what God is really, really good at. I see a bunch of people that are called heroes in the Scriptures that went through a massive amount of failure and an exponential amount of trial. We're here and we're reading the psalm of David inspired by the Holy Spirit. And David was an adulterer and he was a murderer. David got so wrapped up and so deceived in a moment in his life where he actually fell and sinned against God to that extent. And here's David writing to us by the inspiration of the Spirit. Did God say, you know what, David, I'm going to take your psalms out of the book. I'm going to blot your your name from the record. I'm going to wipe every memory of you from the earth. Or did he say, you're a man after my own heart? Why? What was the difference between David and Saul? David acknowledged his sin. David owned it. David took personal responsibility. David said, I am where I am in my life because of what I've done. But Saul was seeking to blame others. And when we shuck personal responsibility and we become a victim, we're not really growing in Christ. If you want to get on the fast track to maturing in your walk with Jesus, take a big old drink of personal responsibility. I know it hurts and it's bitter, but get around people that help you drink it because they're drinking theirs. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me. (laughs) Did you know that God hears every false accusation made about you? Some of you bear false witness against yourself, by the way. Did you know that shame will cause you to bear false witness against yourself? Shame will cause you to perceive yourself in a way that's not true, that's not real. And you will begin to bear witness against yourself. And you will stand like Moses when God has called you to do something great for Him. You will say, I can't do it. You will say, I'm not capable of it. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. 
I'm a weakling. God, don't you know how many times I've come up short? But what if your failure was actually the foundation for God to do something great in your life? What if your lack was the stage for God to provide an abundance so that you would know when it happens that it was Him and not you? A spiritual father said to me once that success in every form is toxic. It's when things begin to go well and when they begin to go our way and when we begin to believe our own press that we can become toxic in our own soul. That rather than trusting in God, we trust in ourself. And our confidence morphs into arrogance. And our arrogance causes us to be opposed by God. I don't know the difficulty you're facing this morning. I don't know the trial that you have been through, you are going through, or you will surely go through. But I know this, humility is always the right answer. God, show me what it means for me to humble myself in this moment. Would you help me to eat dirt, whatever that looks like in this situation, so that I don't become opposed by you because I don't want to be opposed by God. It says that He gives grace to the humble, but He opposes the proud. He opposes us in our pride because we stand in the power of our own strength and we begin to live life according to what we want rather than what He wants. So humility is always the right answer. I implore you, find out what humility means for you. Find out what it looks like for you to live in a humble way in an obedient way, in a non-argumentative with God way. Teach me how to trust you, Lord. Teach me how to bow, bow my knee and bend my heart and call on your name from a real and a sincere place. I fear that we forfeit things that God promised to give us because we quit too soon. Because we listen to the voice of false witness that rises against us. I will make you this promise by the word of God. If you dare to do something great for Jesus, people will speak falsely about you. I can't make any sense of my life and some of the relationships or friendships I used to have and without the spiritual realm without people getting stirred up to think thoughts that weren't born of God. See, when the enemy comes upon you, he will cause you to see things that aren't even there. They're not even real. They weren't even said. If you develop a mentality that everybody is against you, if you think that really deep down you are a loser and a failure, that is the lens that you will listen through and see through and it will condemn you in your life. You know what I've learned? Not everybody is against me. You're not that important. Just be faithful. Just take it one day at a time. Just ask God for your daily bread and take it one day at a time. And when you don't know what to do, do the next best thing that's in front of you. Whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is consistent, whatever is the thing that God is putting in your heart, make sure you do it with all of your heart. People are going to speak falsely about you. 
the Lord spoke to me years ago in a season of this kind of stuff. And he said that accusation only has power over you to the degree that you believe it's true. I mean, if you read the account of Jesus, people are saying all kinds of stuff. And sometimes he doesn't even respond. Again, this is not a political statement, but he is a political figure. Donald Trump's problem is that he just had to respond to everything that was said. He just, he just had to, you know what, sometimes your silence is witness that you know the truth and so does God, so just shut your mouth. It says that while being reviled, Jesus did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges righteously. If you know that God knows the truth, there's not a need to respond to everybody. You don't have to get all worked up about what people are saying about you or what your mother-in-law thinks or what the town chatter post says or whatever it is. Just be faithful and be consistent and make sure that when the name of the Lord is named, your heart is in agreement and saying yes. And when the people of God are gathering, you're there as a priority in your life. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Does anybody this morning feel like you're despairing, like you're discouraged and like you're struggling? You've got to ask God for faith to believe that He's good. The goodness of God for me has been a beacon of light, has been like a lighthouse for me. That has guided me through many dark nights of the soul. You've got to believe that God is good because He really is who He says He is. I mean, what else are you supposed to believe? What are you really going to do with your life? What are you going to invest your time and your talents and your resources in? If it's not God, what are your options? None of them are good. All of them are going to leave you more empty than before. And the enemy comes to seduce the church and distract the church and cause you to think that maybe there's another way outside of God. When the goodness of God is meant to be as that lighthouse. It's meant to be what we set before us continually. That God is good because God is good. And if I believe that God is good and I'm going through difficulty in my life or I'm experiencing loss or disappointment, His goodness becomes the filter through which I view that loss. Because you know what happens is that sometimes our loss is actually a gain. I mean, if you want me to tell you the truth, I'm grateful some people aren't my friends anymore. Because they weren't going where we were going in God. Because they were going to be used of the enemy to talk us out of our divine purpose. Please beware of people that talk you out of your convictions because they don't have any of their own. They want to question every time that you feel conviction over something or like something maybe isn't right or profitable for you. Why? Because your level of conviction intimidates them. 
Because your level of conviction begins to expose that they don't have any fire or any intimacy of their own. So they want you to calm down so that they can remain lukewarm. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. God, I pray this morning that you would cause us to be strong and that our hearts would take courage. Father, I pray if my journey at all can be some encouragement to your people this morning. God, I'm asking that you would put a spiritual backbone deep down inside of us, that we would not run and that we would not hide when things are hard, that we would have a firm foundation because, Lord, you are our light and our salvation. And we have nothing to fear. Father, I pray specifically this morning for those here that are wondering about you, that have questions, maybe even accusations about where were you when this happened or why did you allow this to take place or why did you cause this? God, all of those deep questions related to suffering and persecution and difficulty in life. God, I pray that you would speak now and that you would comfort those who are struggling. Father, I do ask that you would silence the voice of the accuser, that you would shut the devil's mouth in Jesus' name, that you would by faith cause us to believe that you are good because you are good because you are good. Lord, I thank you that you're a good father, that Jesus, you're our good shepherd, that Holy Spirit, You're the good spirit and you're the spirit of grace and truth. Would you cause us this morning as your people to be strengthened in our own walk with you and to shore up any broken, any run down places in the walls of our hearts. Lord, we love you. And Father, I give you thanks for my life today. I thank you, Lord, for sparing me and for delivering me out of many pits, out of many trials. And I thank you, Lord, that you get all the glory and all the honor for every victory. For without you, I would have surely perished in Jesus' name. Amen.